Deuteronomy chapter 9, verse 1, and this is Moses speaking to the people. 1. Hear, O Israel, thou art to pass over the Jordan this day, to go in to dispossess nations greater and mightier than thyself, cities great and fortified up to heaven. Now that's hyperbole, which means exaggerating to a point. Obviously, they're not fortified up to heaven, but they're fortified so high because they're made by giants, those cities, that it would be impossible for normal people to break through those cities. But God, in his power, is going to fight for them, and they're going to break through anyway. 2. A people great and tall, the sons of the Anakim, whom thou knowest, and of whom thou hast heard say, Who can stand before the sons of Anak? These are giants. Now, there were actually lots of different tribes of giants in the early days of mankind, and they're mentioned all throughout the Old Testament, and they're mentioned in English literature and other cultures as well. It was historically a fact there were giants. Some people get really revved up about it and claim that all of the giants were half-fallen angel because the Bible says that the angels had sex with human women and then their offspring was superhuman type people. That did happen, but that doesn't mean that every single giant tribe was from demons and that they all were half human, half demon. That doesn't mean that. That was just some people. But there are legitimate giants that were actually fully human in the Old Testament. It's not accurate to assume that every giant tribe is only part human. I think the Rephaim and the Nephilim, some of those may have been from the demons mating with humans, but the Anakim and a lot of the other ones were not. Those were just fully human. A lot of people think, and I do too, that Adam and Eve could have been what you and I would think of as giants, because when the earth was first created, there was pure air, pure water, pure food supply. The atmosphere was better Everything was more conducive to things growing bigger. There's evidence that trees used to be bigger and people used to be bigger. It shouldn't really surprise us that people used to be bigger because whenever you have optimal growing environment, you have bigger growth. That's just normal. But anyway, the Israelites evidently were a smaller sized people in general anyhow. They were one of the smaller groups of people in size. God even mentioned that in one of the previous chapters. 3. Know therefore this day that the Lord thy God is he who goeth over before thee as a devouring fire. He will destroy them, and he will bring them down before thee. So shalt thou drive them out and make them to perish quickly, as the Lord hath spoken unto thee. God will always be fighting for them, and he is a consuming fire. That doesn't mean that they'll literally burn, but he will consume them in his own zeal, and they will die, because he said he was going to send the hornets and all that kind of stuff. 4. Speak not thou in thy heart after that the Lord thy God hath thrust them out from before thee, saying, For my righteousness the Lord hath brought me in to possess this land, whereas for the wickedness of these nations the Lord doth drive them out from before thee. Moses is warning them, Don't think that God is letting you take over the land because you're righteous. 5. Not for thy righteousness or for the uprightness of thy heart dost thou go in to possess their land, but for the wickedness 
of these nations, the Lord thy God doth drive them out from before thee, and that he may establish the word which the Lord swore unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Moses is saying, don't think that you're righteous and that that's why God is giving you the land. You have to understand that he's giving you the land because of the wickedness of the people who live in it and because he made a promise to your forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 6. Know therefore that it is not for thy righteousness that the Lord thy God giveth thee this good land to possess it, for thou art a stiff-necked people. And we have seen plenty evidence of that, that they are stiff-necked, meaning they're stubborn. They don't like giving up their sin. Ever since they left Egypt, they were complaining that they couldn't live in the land of sin. 7. Remember, forget thou not how thou didst make the Lord thy God wroth in the wilderness, angry in the wilderness, from the day that thou didst go forth out of the land of Egypt, until ye came unto this place, ye have been rebellious against the Lord. They surely have. They came against Moses multiple times. They accused God and accused Moses multiple times. They created the golden calf and worshipped it. 8. Also in Horeb ye made the Lord wroth, and the Lord was angered with you to have destroyed you. And that was when they complained about having no water to drink. We've really got to know God doesn't love us and bless us because we're great. It's because he's great. Everything we have is because of God, so we need to keep thanking him. Don't complain. We need to not make the same mistakes that the Israelites made. 9. When I was gone up into the mount to receive the tables of stone, even the tables of the covenant which the Lord made with you, then I abode in the mount forty days and forty nights. I did neither eat bread nor drink water. 10. And the Lord delivered unto me the two tables of stone, written with the finger of God, and on them was written according to all the words which the Lord spoke with you in the mount out of the midst of the fire in the day of the assembly. 11. And it came to pass at the end of forty days and forty nights that the Lord gave me the two tables of stone, even the tables of the covenant. 12. And the Lord said unto me, Arise, get thee down quickly from hence, for thy people that thou hast brought forth out of Egypt have dealt corruptly. They are quickly turned aside out of the way which I commanded them. They have made them a molten image. And this is when Moses got so angry that he broke the tables of stone, and then God had to make them again. And it's like God forgave him for breaking the tables because I think God was more angry than Moses was. While God was communing with Moses and giving him the law which would make their lives better, they were busy going straight back into idolatry after all he'd done for them to save them out of Egypt. They just had no gratitude at all. 19. Furthermore, the Lord spoke unto me, saying, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. 14. Let me alone that I may destroy them and blot out their name from under heaven, and I will make of thee a nation mightier and greater than they. Moses is confessing to them that at one point, and in fact about three times, God offered Moses the blessing that was supposed to go to all twelve tribes. Remember, we've already read it, where God said, Let me wipe everybody else out and your family will take on the blessing of Abraham. And all three times Moses was faithful to his own people and begged God to forgive them. 15. So I turned and came down from the mount, and the mount burned with fire, and the two tables of the covenant were in my two hands. 16. And I looked, and behold, ye had sinned against the Lord your God. Ye had made you a molten calf. Ye had turned aside quickly out of the way which the Lord had commanded you. Now molten calf means that they melted the gold, and then they formed it into the golden calf, because, you know, they all contributed their gold and jewelry that they took from the Egyptians, and they made the calf out of it. 
17. And I took hold of the two tables and cast them out of my two hands and broke them before your eyes. 18. And I fell down before the Lord as at the first forty days and forty nights. I did neither eat bread nor drink water, because of all your sin which ye sinned, in doing that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, to provoke him. 19. For I was in dread of the anger and hot displeasure wherewith the Lord was wroth against you to destroy you, but the Lord hearkened unto me that time also. Moses pleaded on their behalf, and he's confessing this to them, and they need to understand this, that they could have all been destroyed on the day that they worshipped the golden calf. God was ready to kill all of them, and Moses petitioned on their behalf to save them. 20. Moreover, the Lord was very angry with Aaron to have destroyed him, and I prayed for Aaron also the same time. Here's another confession. Moses is saying, God even wanted to kill Aaron, and I prayed on his behalf, because Aaron was the one who made the calf. 21. And I took your sin, the calf which ye had made, and burnt it with fire, and beat it in pieces, grinding it very small, until it was as fine as dust, and I cast the dust thereof into the brook that descended out of the mount. He made them drink the golden calf by... There's a substance that the Egyptians used called natron. It's a mineral salt. And Moses was schooled in Egypt. He probably learned chemistry because of the witchcraft that was practiced there to do their magic arts. They used chemistry. When you add natron to gold, apparently you can make it calcined, which means that it's kind of like hard and crumbly, and then you can grind it into a powder. 22. And at Taberah, and at Massa, and at Kibroth Hetava, ye made the Lord wroth. So in all those locations, they offended God by blaming him for being hungry and thirsty and not asking him. We just got to remember, always thank the Lord in every circumstance and simply ask him for what you need. Don't get angry with him because you don't have things. Simply ask. 23. And when the Lord sent you from Kadesh Barnea, saying, Go up and possess the land which I have given you, then ye rebelled against the commandment of the Lord your God, and ye believed him not, nor hearkened to his voice. And that was when they sent the twelve spies out. Ten of the spies came back lying, and everybody believed the lying spies and refused to take Canaan. 24. Ye have been rebellious against the Lord from the day that I knew you, and that sure is true. They were even rebellious the very first time that Moses told them that God had sent him to deliver them out of Egypt. They didn't believe Moses. 25. So I fell down before the Lord the forty days and forty nights that I fell down, because the Lord had said he would destroy you. This means that Moses fasted the first forty days, probably under the power of God. But then, when God wanted to destroy them, he fasted again. 26. And I prayed unto the Lord and said, O Lord God, destroy not thy people and thine inheritance that thou hast redeemed through thy greatness, that thou hast brought forth out of Egypt with a mighty hand. 26. Remember thy servants Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Look not unto the stubbornness of this people, nor to their wickedness, nor to their sin. He really petitioned for their forgiveness. Now Jesus Christ mediates between us and the Father today. When we sin, he asks the Father to forgive us. Moses here is foreshadowing the Christ to come because he mediated on the people's behalf. 
28, lest the land whence thou broughtest us out say, because the Lord was not able to bring them into the land which he promised unto them, and because he hated them, he hath brought them out to slay them in the wilderness. Moses is intelligent, and he knows how the heathens will lie about God just as the Israelites did. And he knows that if God didn't bring the Israelites all the way into Canaan, that the heathen nations would say, oh, he didn't care about them, and he wasn't powerful enough to take them the whole journey. Moses didn't want God slandered. 29. Yet they are thy people and thine inheritance that thou didst bring out by thy great power and by thy outstretched arm. He's still telling them the story of his prayer to the Lord when this chapter ends. Of course, in the next chapter, we'll learn the rest of that prayer and how it came out. And that concludes Deuteronomy chapter 9.